0: listening to The Magnet
1: Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Lewis Kornfeld, and today I'm speaking with Joe Miles. Joe, thanks for talking, man. Hello. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, um, It occurred to me thinking about this interview that i've known you for years yeah
0: and we don't know each other very well it's true Yeah, that's you're from cleveland ohio i am let's yeah. start there man uh, all right. i uh, grew up in cleveland ohio yeah I moved here about uh almost 10 years ago nine years ago now what so, brought uh, you to new york uh i was in a rap group oh no kidding yeah wow. and uh we were uh doing pretty good in cleveland i felt like it was time for change you know step out yeah. try it on the the world stage yeah and uh group kind of fell apart after i moved here and you know i was seeing a lot of comedy at the time and saw death by rural mm-hmm. it was like a group i really loved at uh at the ucb and tried it out you know i was watching them for a while just uh as a fan you know i was never really interested in in trying out comedy and then I don't know. A couple, years later, <laughs> a couple years later, somebody was like, you should, you should take a class. And I did it. You're right.
1: Uh, uh, let's back up a little bit to what was the name of the rap group that you were in? It's
0: called Spitting Image. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. How long were you guys together? Uh, we got together. Well, um, one of the guys was an old, old friend from when we were like kids, mm-hmm. like four years old. And we both started rapping around the same time. You know, we were listening to like... Uh, biggie and stuff like that and i was just like i want to write a rap and we were writing like really really dumb raps mm-hmm. and then uh we just kept it up uh until you know met a couple of other guys who were like-minded folk and put together a group
1: what was the like connection what was the like-mind between you guys
0: i think we just kind of um you know this was like uh i want to say like 99 mm-hmm. or something like that and it yeah. was like a pretty uh silly era of, of rap where like everybody was there was like no limit you remember no limit yeah, mr yeah, p yeah like jewels and tanks all over the album covers and we were kind of uh, <laughs> approaching it from like um a bunch of broke dudes you uh-huh. know just uh no we don't have money we don't have like any uh we don't own cars <laughs> you know like uh, we're just regular guys so that was like what we all kind of brought to to what we were doing.
1: I don't know anything about the rap scene. How do you, once you decide that you want to be a rapper, how do you, how do you start rapping?
0: It's kind of just something you just you do. Just do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you write a rap and, and then when it's done, you rap it. And you know, we used to like steal other people's beats and yeah. like rap on those recorded on like a karaoke machine and, yeah. uh, in my mom's basement. And then, uh, like just give, give tapes of it to friends and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's, how long were you guys You together? can just be a rapper, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, anybody could just say I'm a rapper. Yeah. I
1: guess that's, like, a big part of the appeal of it, too. Yeah. It's just, like, you pick up your pen and there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's similar. It's similar to, like, doing, you know, comedy or any kind of entertainment that you can do, like, for free. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. It's like, all right, I'm doing this now, you know? Yeah. Here I am.
1: How long were you guys uh, rapping together?
0: Uh... I would say, like, well, I moved here in 2006, mm-hmm. so that was pretty much the end of it. Okay. But um, everybody's still making music. Um, the Kick Drums is, is a really good group. I'll, can I shout them out? Yeah, I yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Check out the Kick, the kick Drums. Uh, it's a fr- one of the guys who was in the group. He's a pr- great producer. He's a, making, like, indie rock now. Cool. So he's doing a lot of cool stuff, so I highly recommend it. Cool.
1: And you play drums, too, right? I do. Lifelong, yeah. thing. Huh? Has that been a lifelong thing?
0: No, no. This was, well, it was like on and off. Yeah. You know, I was uh, moving around to apartments. You don't really have anywhere to set, a, yeah. <laughs> set up, you know, yeah. so it's like started playing, moved out of my mom's house, didn't have anywhere to put drums and went like five, ten years without touching them. Yeah. And then recently got like, you know, pretty excited about it, getting Did, back into it.
1: Do you... Uh can you get back in immediately or or are you kind of like rust? I'm always curious with music because I know some people who like played the violin and then took 12 years off and then picked it up and are like perfect violin masters. Really? Oh, yeah.
0: They're lucky. No, I was like, uh, you know, I could keep the beat, but that was about it. I had yeah. to really like retrain myself. I wasn't all that good to begin with. I never took lessons or anything. I just, you know, loved to play. Yeah. It's like one of those things where I, you know, any art I feel like with no pressure on it to like be successful at it is always... You know, a lot of fun yeah to do yeah
1: you know? i uh, when when I was a kid um, i I had a talent for drawing um, and uh, my parents got pretty enthused about that, and mm. so they were like good enough to deck me out with uh, like, they had, like a really nice drawing table and and they would buy like really top of the line supplies and stuff. And, uh, uh, like whenever, like their friends would come over the house, they'd want me to like pull out my portfolio and show them what I was doing and stuff. And I got so frustrated by all that, oh. that I completely lost interest in drawing. One, one thing that I've always liked about improv is nobody else in my life gives a shit about it at all. <laughs> I, it's like, it's weird, but like, I guess because there's zero pressure and no expectations, right. um, it's just kind of my thing there was yeah, something really like private about it yeah know? yeah
0: you kind of just put the pressure on yourself with that one you yeah know? there's like no uh you you don't have any you don't go into it with dreams of you know being like a rich improviser you know, right and, uh, like i gotta live off of this you know so right it's uh it's just one of those things where it's like just all about you know expressing yourself and totally and uh enjoying it yeah totally there's nothing else to it you know totally um um
1: I I saw a documentary not too long ago about Johnny Carson on uh, on PBS. Okay. And they were saying that his first love was the drums. Drums and Magic were his, oh, yeah? his two big things. But he was a great, great drummer. I
0: didn't know that. Yeah. There's I, always people who, like, shock me with, like... You know, as a drummer myself, I'm yeah. always, like... Uh, I'll see, like, Stevie Wonder was another yeah. guy who was, like, incredible at the drums. And, yeah. You know, Shaka Khan is incredible at the drums. I'm just like, come on. Like, <laughs> you, got, you got other stuff. You, know? you don't need to be amazing at everything. I know. know? uh, It's funny, like, um, well, it's Fred Armisen. Uh Oh, yeah. yeah. I love him. Yeah. And he's an incredible drummer. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you think that there, this is, maybe this is kind of weird, so they were saying in this documentary that like drums and comedy w- went hand in hand for Johnny Carson. Right. Really? Uh, and that like, if you look at the way that he would, he he could kind of drive a tonight show. Uh, he was just like super aware of the beat of the show. Yeah. And even if you look when they cut to commercial breaks, he's always taking his pencil and kind of like uh, uh, tapping it out. Like he's very conscious of the rhythm of it. <laughs> do, yeah. you, do you, is there any connection for you and your experience when you're doing comedy and, and, and when you're playing?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think of uh comedy, especially improv is like pretty musical, yeah I, th- I think of it in like musical terms, like um you know, just like a song, you know, like when you're doing a piece and like coming b- the way it comes back to stuff like a chorus, and you know uh, it just feels like there's like a rhythm to uh, shows like when i when I'm doing improv, I think of like music that's like usually how I think of. Or how I start a scene It's mm-hmm. like I'll be like listening to a song that is in my head. You know, I don't know. It sounds weird, but uh, whatever the suggestion is, I like whatever song pops into my head. I'm like, all right, I'm like, a character who listens to <laughs> really? listens to that song, like
1: or you know? a, a real song. It'll yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll you'll yeah. think of a real song that you like, and then you'll be the person. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really it's interesting. Like, uh,
0: it's just how I get you know out of my head, like thinking about what I'm going to say. Just, is it,
1: do you, do you, is it like a direct reference to that song for you or it's more just like I'm the kind of person who would be listening to this yeah, music? Yeah, kind
0: of more like that. Like, oh, this guy's like, in his car, he listens to this, you know? That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And he was probably just listening to it right before this, this conversation started. You know? I,
1: I do something similar, but not with music. I do it with locations. A lot of times I'll I'll, I'll kind of get into a scene by thinking about where I was before I was in that scene. Okay, that's cool. And then it won't have anything to do with the scene. It's just kind of, <laughs> it starts me in a place where where I'm aware of something that was going on before I had to do this particular scene. So yeah. I'm, I'm not stressed out about this scene. Right,
0: right. That's um,
1: cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. So is that, like, kind of a, I guess, like, a mnemonic for you? Like, is that song enough to kind of conjure a whole personality for you?
0: Kind of. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I guess it's, like, inspired by whoever song it is to, you know, what I think this person would be like. You know, it's kind of like a a mix of, like, who would listen to that and who actually made it. So if it's, like, the first thing I think of is, like, a jazz song. Yeah. And it's, like, you know, I'll probably be a Miles Davis type of dude or, you know, something like that. Yeah. uh... Or somebody who would listen to that. You know, I'm a little sillier, obviously, but, you know, it's kind of where my brain goes first. It's just... It's like a a musical thought,
1: It's super interesting. I I think about that sometimes, too. Like, when, when like, a character catches you on stage, when you sort of, like, do whatever it is that you do, that suddenly you just kind of, like... You just, like, know who you're playing. Mm. You know, there's, like, great moments where, like, you're not stressed out about anything. You just kind of, like, all right, I'm, I'm totally like Eddie's in this team, the way that like different personalities live in your mind and the way that you access them when you're performing, Right. you know, and like everybody obviously has a completely different way of like opening the door to them, but it's just sort of like, I don't know. It's interesting that you, you can kind of like open this thing up inside yourself and get this other person's mm. kind of personality flowing into you. I, I, I got nothing else to say about that. It's just interesting. <laughs> no,
0: that is, it's a beautiful thing. It's, yeah. you know, to see, uh, you know, to be surprised by people and yeah. you know what they think of Yeah, people you work with surprising you with like ideas that they have where you're like, where's that come from? You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. So, so you think musically a lot, I've said this on the podcast before, Grant uh, uh, is always frowning at me because of it, but I'm like <laughs> musically tone deaf. It's not literally, you know, yeah. like, but like, I guess I missed out on a window of opportunity growing up, where other people were listening to music, where I wasn't listening to music.
0: No music at all. Very little. Really?
1: Yeah, very little. I guess when I was a when I was a little kid, my parents got these like classical music tapes that were like part classical music and part like biography of the great musicians. Okay. You know, so like, I, I kind of like had that going on in the background, but there was nothing that I was like actively. I was much older than everybody by the time people started handing me albums to listen to and and trying to, like, educate me on it. So, like, for me, a lot of new music or music that I'm not familiar with just kind of, like, falls on deaf ears unless – this is what Grant is always frowning at me about (laughs) – unless I heard it in a movie – yeah. if i can attach it to a movie yep. then it, it i'll become really interested in it
0: absolutely so, yeah i feel the same way really uh, yeah absolutely there's people i would have never listened like i am into music a lot but there's people that i probably never would have listened to if they didn't have like a song that was connected to a moment yeah. in a movie that i thought was like really you know intense or moved me in some kind of way and then i'm like i got to i got to own that totally. song yeah and then all of a sudden i'm like a fan of you know Joanna Newsom, right? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, like yeah, uh, yeah. it was like a weird harp and vocals. She sounds like a you know forest nymph or something yeah. like that. And I would have never been into her, but now I, I really dig her because yeah. she was in a movie that you know she had a song in a movie I dug. So uh, now I'm a fan.
1: It's it's uh, um, I'm trying to think of like the metaphor that comes to my mind about that. It, it, like it, it's. Um Know, it's almost like putting like medicine in like a sandwich or something like that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it takes this other like vehicle, you know, for the song to kind of get inside of you and become like part of your, you know, part of your, uh, your personality. Yeah. So, so what's like you seem pretty well versed. What, what's music that's been like really important to you or, or music that's like an integral part of your life. What who who do you really love? I guarantee I will know less than a quarter.
0: <laughs> um, who do I love? Uh, I lo- I really love this band called the meters. They're from new Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're like, just f- like a new Orleans funk band, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of instrumental stuff. Um, but I dig it. It's, you know, the drummer I think is a monster. Um, You know, I like a lot of jazz. My parents are both jazz musicians. Oh, really? Yeah, so, like, uh, growing up, it was, like, a lot of jazz. My dad listened to a lot of jazz. Uh, My mom liked a lot of soul music, so Mm -hmm. we listened to a lot of that. So, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot of what I listen to. Like, my whole music collection is mostly pretty old stuff. Uh, But it's just, you know, I I grew up listening to it, so I kind of got... And then there's like hip hop, you know, that Mm -hmm. was like the first thing that was new when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So it was like nothing, no influential, no influence from, you know, my parents. It was like, this came around and it was like my thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is rebellious. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. uh, These guys are angry. How how old are you? I'm 33.
1: Okay. So we're the same age. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about, I was listening to an interview with Ice-T the other day and, and, and I was just thinking about like when we were kids, I was in like fifth or sixth grade, I think, you know, and when he was all over the news and there was, like, a whole big thing about, like, cop killers, yeah, you know, yeah. like... And, like, this kind of, like, campaign of, like, fear against the, him, you know, in particular. Right. And, like, looking back, he's like, hey, he's such a goofball, that guy, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. but, like, I remember that that thing of, like, it was just, like, like bands of people forming in school who were, like, really protective of, of this music that was coming out, you right. know? Like, and it was just, like, it's, like, our thing. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah, I mean, you know, I was... I guess it's been like there with a lot of genres, but it's it's um yeah, it hasn't been a new genre of music in yeah. a while. Yeah. Like it's it's weird to see that like to think when you see how vulgar <laughs> rap can be and, and was early on, to think that like the same reaction they had the same reaction to like doing the twist. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's crazy, uh, the difference in people's like thinking now as opposed to you know, fifty years ago do you think do you think it's possible
1: for for a new kind of music to be coming out or do you think that we're so exposed to everything now that it's just kind of like a constant ongoing influx of influence? you know what i mean like, yeah
0: i think I think like the I don't know I mean I don't know what people would do except like mix yeah mix genres you know like I don't know like a like a classical orchestra with like a heavy metal frontman or something like that, you yeah, know, maybe yeah. like stuff like that. But it's just hard to imagine it another is. new genre of music. But then, uh, you know, people probably thought like, well, the twist, we're done now with the twist, we've caught on and uh, nowhere else to go.
1: I always, whenever, whenever I try to imagine like what the future, I mean, I guess every generation you look forward to the future and you're like, we've done everything that's yeah. going to be done. I don't know. But in my mind, it, it is always like Bill and Ted. It's always just kind of like weird electronic sounds. And people are in like robes and shit like that <laughs> with like asymmetric sunglasses. And like, yeah. I guess that's what the future is going to look like. Who knows?
0: Maybe. That would be cool. I mean, those sunglasses, I had a pair of those. Me too. I <laughs> <laughs> remember when you yeah, at uh, Burger King or yeah, something yeah, yeah. when Back to the Future came out. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm
1: cool with these. It so. was the big thing. I, I went through my sunglasses, my funky sunglasses yeah. period. I went through my, my, my denim vest. Period. Oh, yeah. At one point that was like a real late eighties, <laughs> early nineties thing. Uh have you have you watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or Bogus Journey in the recent past?
0: I, I haven't watched it like that recently. It was I caught half of it yeah. on TV, like not too long ago. But yeah. uh I want to watch it again. I really loved that movie when I was
1: Everybody did. Yeah. And it's a it's a weird Totally, it's like a weird movie to like hold on to and, and think of like, why the hell did everybody like this so much? <laughs> you know, they when they in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, when they realize that they haven't learned how to play guitar yet, so they travel to the future to play guitar and then come back and save civilization they just play that kiss song god gave rock and roll to me you know and that's what like changes the mind of everybody like all (laughs) wars stop because they play that one kiss song and they just have like zz top beards and and like every it's anyway (laughs) that's the end it's a positive message yeah i like this actually like there's a pretty good message in in the bill and ted movies you know just like Uh, 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 be excellent to each other and party on dudes. It's like actually you could build a pretty good working philosophy out of that party on
0: yeah man that's how I feel
1: (laughs) did uh, so did growing up in a music in a house filled with jazz music do you think that that influenced in any way the way that you perform comedy
0: um I think it still does I mean I think like uh I, I don't know if I realized it at first but um like going to see, I saw I saw my dad do a show. He still plays. My mom doesn't really sing as much, but he he plays a upright bass. Mm-hmm. He lives in uh, San Francisco, like the Bay Area now. But he used to live in New York, so I would go see him perform every once in a while. I remember, I was like kind of new to improv, somewhat like doing it, you know, at the time. And they were playing this set, and they were like, you know, they they would like start with you know, how jazz is they start with the song, and then they kind of like mm-hmm. go out and do do whatever they just jam for a while and uh it was like kind of following the melody of the song and then out of nowhere the piano player just went into the inspector gadget theme Mm -hmm. song Mm -hmm. all of them just like right there with them like they just started playing inspector gadget you know in a jazz show at like a a nice restaurant Mm -hmm. it's the coolest you know like that's the kind of stuff where i see that and i'm like this is so much like you know like improv yeah you know where it's like I got this idea. I'm doing it, and everybody's you know you got to get on board. And, uh, that I mean, still like I think about that sometimes. Doing shows, yeah. Like you know that specific moment really stuck with me. Of like, they're so they have so much in common. Of like, we knew you know we started with something we all knew, and now we're kind of exploring this thing together. And uh, you know that's that's all I got to say about. It. Well,
1: it's also like. Uh, uh, that way that like jazz kind of really like, I'm not talking about like, like university level jazz, you know what I mean? Like Mm. the way jazz got kind of like appropriated as like an academic thing. And then then now it just sort of seems, it seems like math. Yeah. You know, it it just, is kind of like this difficult thing that you have to like study to understand. But if you listen to like old, jazz albums from like the 50s and early 60s there's like a sense of humor to it yep it, it's great but it also doesn't take itself that seriously in that same way there there's there's room for stuff like inspector gadget yeah, yeah. To, to to belong to everybody in the group and that's another thing like i wonder if improv as, as improv is becoming like ucb you can get like college credits at ucb to right. study improv i didn't even know that yeah more and more colleges across the country are like teaching improv and I wonder if it's even possible for improv comedy to kind of go the way that jazz went where it gets kind of like appropriated by this institution I don't know because it, at the end of the day it's still there's so many dick jokes <laughs> when you're improvising that it's like hard to to suck the life out of that or yeah. suck the humor out of it uh-huh. but I don't know that that is something that's on my mind sometimes no
0: yeah that's a good uh, I mean I never thought about that that's like you know, I, I do, it's, you wrestle with it, you know, because you see this thing and it's beautiful and you want more people to know about it. You yeah. know, like, when I first, when I went to my first improv show, it was Death by Ruru, and I had never heard of long-form improv, and all I knew was Whose Line Is It Anyway, which is cool, but, you know, it wasn't something I was excited mm-hmm. about seeing. And, um, you know, seeing, like, something like that, you want people to, I feel like everybody's got to know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, if you, or in New York you should see a show if you're anywhere where they have it like go see a good group and watch this thing it's magical when you see a good show but then you know the more popular it gets it's like anything you know it's like you were saying about jazz you know it could turn into that where it's something that loses that like small intimate Mm -hmm. you know magic and Mm kind of they try to put it on TV I I mean you've seen those shows where like I don't remember what it was called. Not just Whose Line, there was like another like one. The green was... screen one. I think <laughs> so. Yeah. The green screen one. Yeah, and then there was, I think there was one where it was like, uh, they were all like, I don't remember what it was, but there's, you know, it doesn't always work. They always get canceled, you know, yeah. except for Who's Line. So what's well, always missing something on TV. There's
1: a, it, like the element that really makes it catch. Right. The, the actual like medium of improv. Uh, is in the room with these people. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it really—it really is this group mind, and it's not just the group mind on the stage. It's the group mind of everybody in the get, room. Yeah, you're
0: getting the audience involved in it. So know.
1: there's no it, that just doesn't translate to right. television. You're, there's a distance. There's a glass screen between you, or whatever. It's not glass. Whatever the fuck <laughs> the TVs are made of these days, plastic.
0: Uh, plasma.
1: Plasma. Well, I don't know. really. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have no. They say plasma, plasma screen. I have no idea. I don't know what the hell it is. It's in our bodies.
0: I thought. I don't know what plasma is.
1: Plasma. Well, plasma. Plasma makes up our blood. Okay. If you take the hemoglobin out, we have like plasma streams going through us, but then there's also plasma as like the 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 other element, solid, gas, liquid, plasma, which is sort of like a gaseous.
0: That's a state of Yeah, it's a being? state
1: of matter. Oh. Plasma. They just discovered plasma waves above I think the north pole of the planet, like a massive massive waves of plasma but i have no idea what the hell it is this is a good thing we can look this up later. yeah
0: we're gonna uh, everybody uh look up plasma yeah
1: let's figure out what it is i think we're talking about three different kinds of plasma but that's cool it's, it's still cool
0: that there's so many things called plasma it's cool man yeah. let's
1: learn how shit works
0: and there's a gun right there's a, there's a plasm- it's star Trek. star trek yeah it's they got a, they got a plasma blaster yeah, plasma. yeah. Plasma. everybody's got it right? totally In the future
1: yeah I guess that's it: plasma and funky electronic music <laughs> and 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 asymmetrical sunglasses. So we have to look forward to. That's it, it's man. Be
0: good being old. <laughs> it
1: it um, well, it's also a thing with like with like jazz music, where like authorities grew up around it after a while, you know, and 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 then you have these kind of like gatekeepers who are kind of like yeah. they know everything about it, mm-hmm. and, and it's something very like distancing. It, you know, it's like it's hard to warm up to jazz. If you're trying to approach it from the outside. In. Right. But there's like, um, there's a great uh, uh, um, uh, Clifford Brown, Max Roach album. I forget what it's called now. Um, but uh, I think the song is Delilah. And at one point, like they lay out, it's this very like warm, great song. And, and they lay out the opening and they start riffing. And then at a certain point, it it sounds like they just got away from it or like they let it get away from them. Mm. It just kind of like the song, is it's just a different song. And then they pull it back in like at the last second and there's just like this feeling when they pull it back in and bring it all back to, to like the original theme of it that like, I don't know, I get like, I tingle every single time mm. I hear it. You know what I mean? Like, and that also makes me think of improv sometimes when you've kind of like are hitting your game yeah, and then the show takes like a turn and you start to worry about it. It starts to feel like you're away from the game. and But then you see, like, really skillful people pull it back in. Yeah. And you realize it was just this oh, kind that of, was like, that guy's dead the whole time. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it's like... Yeah. It has that same, like, last-minute save of, like,
0: ah! you know, yeah. like,
1: everybody's, like, blown away that you were able to keep it actually a whole mm-hmm. together. Which I guess is, like, another connection. Uh, um, the way that, like, a really good jazz ensemble makes it a whole. Like, everybody owns the whole thing. And even though there's freedom to move around in it, like...
0: Yeah, in solos and stuff. Yeah, you know, like people, you know. Yeah, everybody gets a chance to shine. Everybody works together. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty similar, in in my opinion. When I see it done, I'm like, you know, this is I see a lot of elements of what we do yeah. on stage. Yeah, and it's really cool. I think
1: there's. Um... There's a great blog by a guy named Bill Arnett uh, from Chicago who who he he taught at I.O. I O. I don't know if he still teaches at I O, but he's he's a cool blog. Check it out. And I I don't know what it is, but just you what's know, <laughs> you know, his name? Bill Arnett. Bill Arnett. Yeah. Google Bill Arnett and check out his blog. One of the one of his blog posts is about how if you're studying music, if you're just studying guitar and you go to a guitar school, you know, just learn guitar. There's like you there's like electric guitar and you learn folk guitar and you learn there's like 19 different finger picking styles and uh and and you can learn bluegrass or you can kind of choose what you love and 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 learn it and there isn't really like a set of like rules for guitar it's like a different language for each of these different approaches and each of these different styles yeah but then he's like but then you go to an improv school and here's the rules of improv as yeah. if it's just kind of one blanket thing. And no matter where you go, it's the same thing. And we're all just mm-hmm. looking for like the right formula for it. And, and, uh, I think that that's a pretty actually sweet way of thinking about it, that it is more musical in that way. It, it's not really about like when you talk about like the rules of improvising, mm. you're talking about that in a very limited context because really it's like, well, what, what improv show are you aiming to do? Are you doing a slow, <clears throat> character-driven show that's about, like, real strong, grounded emotions? Are you doing a show that's, like, this really far-out fantasy piece that's, like, anything can happen and it's completely batshit insane? Are you doing a really heavy-duty UCB-style game-style game, shame, game style show? Mm. Are you doing a short-form game-style? You know what I mean? Like, and then each of those things, it's not so much rules as there are, like, all right, there's a particular mindset that, that gives a group cohesiveness when they're playing in that context, you know? Yeah. I think that's a pretty healthy way of thinking about improvising and it takes some of the pressure off too, of like, instead of thinking about like learning how to do it perfectly, it is more of a kind of self-expression under this particular context.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you gotta be you, you know what I mean? I've seen shows with like people who like mixer type things with two people who never done it and they made me laugh harder than, you know? Yeah really experienced people sometimes you know not always that's uh more of an exception than the rule but you know it can happen as long as you're like really being you know doing what you want to do and really like expressing yourself yeah it's what i think at least yeah so
1: ruru what brought you to see them to begin with so you you hadn't seen long form before what what brought you over to UCB?
0: uh my dad Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, was, he had only lived here for a few months before I moved here. And he was like, I know what we can do. We can go see an improv show. Cool. And uh, we went to see that. You know, it's incredible. Was he a
1: fan? Was he going he was, to see stuff?
0: Yeah. He was, not, I, you know, he was going every once in a while. He was working a lot at the time. So it was not a lot of time to go out. So he hadn't actually been very many places. It was like, you know, it's my first night in New York City. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's like, oh, I know. Go see a comedy show. Yeah. You know, started going like almost every, you know, like twice a, twice a month after that. I would yeah. just go all the time. You
1: know, so. Do you, do you remember what it was about that first show that kind of caught you?
0: I didn't believe it was made up mm-hmm. on the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I remember. I don't remember anything specific, but I remember thinking like, okay, how much of that do they write mm-hmm. beforehand? Mm-hmm. You know, how much is actual improv? Cause you know, from what I know about improv, you had to ask for like 50 different <laughs> suggestions right, yeah. before you can do anything. And these guys were just like one thing and they, you know, I mean, it was, I was blown away. I never, I didn't know what I was going to be seeing. Yeah. Know, so it was, uh, it was really surprising. And it was great.
1: My first improv show was Naked Babies. And a, I, at the old UCB on Twenty Second Street, it was like one of the last shows they were putting up before they closed that place down. I went. Um,
0: was it a group? Or
1: yeah, it, it. There were a bunch of guys in it. When I saw it, it was just three people. It was Seth Morris and Brian Husky and Rob Cordry.
0: Oh. Wow. And they
1: did a Harold, and I didn't know what a Harold was. I'd never seen it. I remember being really worried when I sat down. <laughs> it, like it was a smallish audience and um i had seen a play the night before i saw this terrible horrible fucking play the night before a really shit play which play i don't remember what it was called but it was about 911 oh but it was like a series of different monologues about the way that people were being affected by 911 which is like this was like not too long it was like a year after 911 oh, wow. so it was like okay. really fresh and yeah, people yeah. needed to deal with it so it's like that's fine yeah, that's that's a good subject matter to explore but the way it was such a like self congratulatory fucking piece of shit it was like so proud of itself for being so mature and how it was dealing with nine yep. 11. You know what I mean? Like, and there was a character in the play who was like the playwright basically and telling you his reason for putting this masterpiece together and, 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 and healing people. And it was like, Oh, fuck you, man. He you tells know? you
0: in the play. Yeah, <laughs> he, He's like, he's
1: like, there was a line he's, he's talking about like Picasso and Guernica. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you summarize the Spanish revolution? You know what I mean? Like, Guernica heals the nation, or whatever. This shall be my Guernica. It's like, wow. yeah, no, you you felt pretty short of the you know. But, but I remember sitting in, at UCB and watching right before Naked Baby started, and thinking about like when you sit down to watch a play, you have this confidence that this is all worked out beforehand. There's a purpose to it, so mm. like you know, no matter what, whether I like it or don't like it, and it's like okay everything that's about to happen is intentional. Right. So I got to go along with it because it's going to lead me somewhere. And I remember feeling really nervous and uncertain before Naked Baby started of like, there's no intention to this at all. This yeah. could be garbage. So I was, I was like really skeptical. I was like, like my arms folded and, was, you know, like I didn't know what to expect, but I like, I don't think I was expecting much. And then they, it, I remember what caught me about that show was that Max Roach thing again, where like, they generated a bunch of stuff and i had no idea what the fuck was going on and then they started reining it in and tying it together and i was like holy fucking shit yeah just three guys and they just tied together like 20 different scenes it was amazing yeah and it was the exact same thing of like there's no way there's no (laughs) way they didn't work that out (laughs) beforehand can't be made up on. yeah yeah Uh,
0: but that's that's what's so awesome about it is you know uh, that surprise of like just wondering how they do it. it 's like a magic trick, you yeah, know? it feels like you 're watching a magic trick when you see a really good show, yeah it's like this is impossible how's you, how your memory that good yeah how <laughs> do you remember all this stuff yeah, still struggle with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too, but then you know years later now you, you don 't look like you struggle with it at all. you look like you 're pulling that off
0: effortlessly uh, thanks don't want to
1: it 's a cool thing to know like w- when you when you start to become like the senior, you know, it's cool to know that. Like, I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, it's like, oh, I, f- I still feel as stupid as I felt the day I started improvising. I still feel like I don't get anything.
0: Yeah, there are times definitely, yeah. but I guess I'm pulling it off yeah. well enough yeah, yeah, because
1: yeah. You people, gotta. <laughs> people keep on inviting me back to do it. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah I think you got it covered. Uh, so, like,
1: what you're showing to people and what you're feeling inside aren't necessarily the same thing at
0: all. I mean, once you, I feel like once you're out there, you got to feel like you're the best the world yeah that's my approach some people like having nerves about it works in their favor you yeah know, and, and they pull that off but for me it's like when i get up there i gotta i just gotta tell myself like there's nobody who can do this as good as, as, good yeah. as me you know like just because i can't if i'm not confident i'll you know yeah not do some of the dumb stuff that you, you're pretty much forced to do totally uh, if you don't you don't own it then it stinks.
1: Is that something that you like tell yourself before a show starts up? Like you you, like give yourself like a mantra?
0: I listen to a lot of like intense, I have a whole playlist of like intense rap music that I listen to on my way to a show just to get me pumped up, Yeah, you know, and uh, I just want to get out there and like, you know, be aggressive, be confident, you know, I feel like that's like a cocky music, rap music, you know, and it was, and, and it like stresses, like a level of arrogance, Yeah, you know, and that's what I think that you know i kind of try to hold on a little bit to that same kind of like rapper attitude that i had when i was doing music Mm -hmm. just because you know that's i feel like what i know yeah so i try to bring that to you know to improv but you know then you also have doubt all the time when you're doing something crazy you know it's like is this insane am i is this a bad idea yeah
1: do you do the doubts like come to you after the show is done? Do you, do you uh, like? Are you pre-sealed off from that stuff while you're <laughs> improvising?
0: Yeah, sometimes. I mean, sometimes I'll, you know, sometimes I'll say stuff that I feel, and I just, I, you know, it comes out, and then I'll hear like, oh, you know, uh-huh. we did a show recently where I like said something I don't remember what it was but you know I said oh I, we were uh, it was like a search party looking for a kid and I said he was retarded mm-hmm. and it got like a big groan and I was like you know like should I have said that? you know for a second it's like oh, should I have said that I'm being a character I'm not mm-hmm. you know I don't talk like that but in this character you see like you so it's you hear that groan and it's like do I back off mm-hmm. or do I continue to be this and if you don't if you back off then it's going to be worse yes. in my opinion yeah <laughs> it's like you know, I mean, mentally challenged. Right. if I do that, then it's like, all right, you don't be a chicken shit. Yeah, you know, can't say, can't
1: Say whatever you want. Okay, cool. Yeah, you already said retarded for Christ's sake. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it's that's, that's I kind of you know, like to say what I really feel about stuff. And, yeah, you know, uh, or what I'm what I really think would happen. And I think if without confidence, for me at least, I would. Back off of everything I used to. I, I've done that before, where I was like, "Oh, that the crowd doesn't like this. Mm-hmm. I gotta stop." Mm-hmm. But now I feel like, "No, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make them like this." Yeah, I'm just gonna keep doing it until they think it's funny. You know? Yeah, it doesn't always work.
1: There's. It's one of those like real interesting lines, you know, because like <clears throat> I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sensitive to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody. Right. Yeah. I don't want to make anybody feel, feel, um, unwelcome at a show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like, and I'm, and I've done it for sure. Everybody's done it. You know, something slips out or, or you kind of just don't think about what you just said and, and you know, um, but then at the same time for any kind of like artistic experience that you're having, you're going to be taking people to places from time to time that are, aren't going to leave them feeling unsettled. Yeah. You know and and so it's a really like interesting fine line that you walk between kind of rubbing people's noses and shit you know what I mean and just like making them uncomfortable because you have the power to do that mm. or just like seeing your thing through to the end no matter what and fuck you and who cares right. versus leading people to a place that, that maybe makes them feel a little like disquieted but you're gonna see it through to the end and and, and And you're going to... Your commitment is not just you as an improviser committing to this thing. Your commitment is like showing this point of view kind of warts and all. Right. And I think the warts and all part is important too. Yeah. You know, like... You're not only showing like an ugly side to somebody, but you're also showing a good side too. You're showing a little bit more of a full picture of like... Yeah, people... Come in all kinds of fucking yeah. flavors. You some know? people are racist. You know, some That's people like are racist. T- if
0: you if you're playing that, then you gotta, you know, you're not. It's like you don't want to rub their nose and shit, but you also don't want to like pretend that there's not. It doesn't shit, exist. You know, totally. Like, there's shit in this room. Totally. Guys. So like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna at least <laughs> acknowledge it. You yeah.
1: Know? Yeah. I I it it's a constantly interesting thing because it does like at the at the end of the day it gets right down to to a really kind of like. Primal relationship between a performer and, and an audience, mm. and like, just what exactly is is this relationship all about? You know, because like, if you're a stand-up comedian, you're going to end up dealing with pretty difficult stuff, right? You know, as an improviser, you can't really deal with it in the exact same way because you're not, you're kind of discovering what you're creating while you're creating it. Yeah. You haven't worked it out beforehand. But I think that in like the best improv shows you can kind of take some of the more unsettling currents of stuff and, and end up transforming it in a way to something that's so absurd and insane. It, it's somehow it gets transformed from heavy, miserable shit into something that kind of, it's like recycled into like happiness yeah. fizz in your brain. And it's almost like you, you help to perform like an exorcism in the room. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like instead of denying it or pretending like it's not there, you kind of incorporate it and lead people through this dark, troubling place. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of like exercise it at the end. You turn it into something a little bit better, something maybe a little bit more creative for people to be dealing yeah, with. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. No, or no. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, having a laugh about anything that's serious, is, yeah. you know, feels good. Yeah you i mean so much heavy stuff to to be upset about yeah you know, if, it, if it gets worked in then, and you can make it work then i feel like that's always positive for me I, you know yeah. i like to go there if if it comes up yeah, yeah.
1: I, f- I feel like that kind of is like one of the point, like it like diy theater or diy music something where you don't need a lot of tools and a lot of cash. You mm. can just kind of do it. I mean, you you need cash if you want to do improv classes, but, yeah. you know, like, but like more or less, it, you can get together with people and just start putting shit up. Yep. I do feel like a big part of it is, is like, um, this is where people go not only to be entertained and to, and to laugh, but, but to kind of have. I guess to exercise some of that shit out of our system, because you do, you accumulate so much shit and so much bullshit, especially in our culture now, where it, it's coming at you from all possible angles. And there's so much fucking anger and bullshit mm. from everybody, in everywhere. In the city, in the, Yeah. Well, you're surrounded by a, a, a billion people who are all physically in your space. Yeah. And there's a lot of anger and shit. And then you go online into cyberspace <laughs> yeah. where there's a lot of anger yeah. and you're surrounded by even more people
0: uh-huh.
1: and and people are being deliberate trolls and assholes and shit. It's just you have to encounter a lot of negativity yep. all the time. And, and you can either develop a, a kind of insensitivity to it, which protects you but isn't necessarily the greatest thing in the world, I think. Um, where you find places where you go where you can kind of like ground that shit and transform it into a positive experience. And I feel like the kind of theater that we do is one of those places. Yeah. Definitely. Which is why you don't want to stray away from that stuff. Right. I also, for me personally, I don't like leaning into it deliberately. Unless it it, it like comes up and it's like, okay, good, fine. But I like, I never like, I don't want to start a racist character on stage. (laughs) It's not fun to do. Yeah. Um, I did a child molester scene one time with John Bander that I still think is one of the best scenes I was ever in yeah
0: that's a that's a tough one very tough you gotta you you just gotta do it if it comes up you gotta like you can't half ass that yeah it's worse than half assing like I don't know being uh, you know bagging groceries or something (laughs) definitely you you gotta go all the way yes all the way with that one
1: the only way out is through yeah you can't go around it you can't Uh, back out of it it, and that was a fun scene to do because it, it, people knew that we were child molesters. you, <laughs> Yeah. We were both child molesters, like in a van that was like the <laughs> setup. We're like driving around in a van and, mm-hmm. and we're just kind of like, uh, um, like marking or it was really horrible. We're like following the daily cycles of these kids <laughs> to like kidnap up somebody It's a really, really dark fucking terrible scene. But the scene wasn't about that at all. Right. Because the audience knew it, we never had to address it, you know, like the scene was kind of about these guys on their own terms. And it was so fun to do because you could feel how upsetting it was to get people to like these guys. Yeah. That, like everything that we were doing and saying was totally likable and you were laughing at them because they were likable. But you knew that you it, it was just like... I liked it because it, at the end of the day, you walk away from it with very conflicted emotions about these
0: people. Yeah, because, I mean, when do you see, you know, I see. I think you see the most child molesters, if you're looking for child molester entertainment, you're going to look for Law and Order. Yeah. Which is, like, they are just, like, no nothing else to a child molester on yeah. that show except that they molest most children, children, you know? Yeah. Uh, they're like a shadowy figure in the darkness that these people are just looking for until yeah. the end, but... When you see like that these guys are also just two dudes who like hang out i don 't know what you guys were talking about, but you know like you don't just <laughs> talk about that you have lives, and yeah. it's like conflicting to see that like oh wait i don't i don 't actually hate these guys, yeah. you know, but i do hate I do hate them, but i also you know i could probably if i didn 't know that they were molesting children, maybe I could have a conversation with them yeah you know
1: it's an uncomfortable place to be it 's yeah. an uncomfortable. Place to take yourself and to take other people because you don't, there's no resolution to it. Right. And I think sometimes like audiences get unhappy if there isn't a resolution to stuff, especially in, in a comedy show, you know. Um, but I, I happen to have a taste for that because like I kind of feel like art is not meant to provide you with reassurance about stuff, art is kind of meant to help you look closer at real life. Yeah, it, it it helps you to, like to better equip you to keep your eyes open and to keep your skin sensitive to to the world around you, you know. Which means that sometimes you're left in places that kind of leave you feeling very contradictory.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's better than just watching the news and seeing. <laughs> well, yeah, Ch- child well, molesters nonstop. It's for it's, damn sure, <laughs> you know, like, I'd rather see uh, an artistic take on. Heavy stuff, yeah, just I know it's out there, you know, yeah, same with like same with anything, I feel like you know that's what makes improv so cool is the uh, the characters you see it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen masturbating guy on the train before, I hated yeah. it, yeah, you know it didn't it wasn't funny, it wasn't fun, but then when you see somebody give that guy like a real life, he's like, you know, he bought twizzlers today yeah. and he, he ate them and, you know and then he got on the train and he was riding around for a while he put on his headphones and he started jacking off. You know? <laughs> yeah. now I, I, I now i get this yeah you know i can watch him now
1: if i were going to step into a show and i were going to play a guy masturbating on a train first i would think okay i just bought twizzlers <laughs> go they do that i know, you know they do like some
0: of them are they're nuts about twizzlers sometimes. even it's even
1: masturbators gotta eat yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, well, it's also like, I forget where I read this, but, but I I agree with this. Like, um, you know, comedy in general is kind of a place where we go to like put up our bad ideas, all the stuff that we know in real life are bad ideas, but it's kind of just like lurking around the, the collective group mind of, of human beings. In a comedy show, there's like a safe distance between the audience and and these characters, or it's all in quotations, or it's all kind of so crazy and so silly that like we can show bad ideas and we can show kind of nightmare stuff. Yeah, and it's another kind of exorcism but by showing it. You kind of defang it a little bit, right? I guess that's what it is. There's all this stuff that we is really upsetting and 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 really scary and really sad that you try to avoid. But if you can find just the right light to put it up, you take away some of its power. Yeah. You can laugh at it. Uh-huh. And, 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 and you can kind of like reintegrate some of that power into yourself so that you can kind of approach your life with a little bit more like wakefulness. I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. It's, it's
1: interesting. Telling, I'm sorry. Going back to, to like psyching yourself up before a show, like the different variations of that. I read, you know, Tony Perkins from Psycho. He played yeah, Norman Bates. Yeah. Apparently before takes, he would just like quietly mumble to himself. I, why am I, why am I doing anything? I'm, <laughs> I'm horrible. He like had to actually psych himself down and, and like the opposite.
0: What? He, he actually
1: had to feel really like horrible about himself. For that
0: s- particular character? Or no, just all the as time. an
1: actor, oh. he, he had to feel shitty and then he was like able to start acting. It's crazy. Huh. But it's just like, it's putting yourself in the right frame of mind where yeah. you, you can give yourself over to owning what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Whatever you got to do, I guess. But know. isn't that crazy? I yeah. cannot imagine telling myself that I, don't belong. <laughs> I know. I'm going to suck tonight, you know, like that would, uh, yeah. I would, I would just be as bad as I, you know, I'm going to be as bad as I tell myself I'm going to be. Yeah. Know. I'm not always going to be great if I tell myself I'm going to be great, but I'll, I'm almost positive I'll be bad if I, if I say that to yeah. myself.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I think right in the middle. I, I kind of, I can't, if I psych myself up, I feel like I'm lying to myself, but if I, if I'm feeling sorry for myself, I, I'll catch myself doing that. Right. Cut it out, you fucking asshole. Yeah. I'm kind of like somewhere in the middle. I, I, I kind of approach it from like, well, uh, wherever I am right now is fine. That's a fine place to start from.
0: That's cool. Uh, yeah. That, that's kind like of where that. I
1: am, you know? Um, uh, uh, okay. So, so going back so you performed with Brick for four years, five four years? years, four years, yeah. um, arguably one of the one of the the great magnet
0: teams. Wow, thank you. It's true. I appreciate that.
1: Um, and now you're on Ariana Grande. Actually, yeah. I should have said that at the beginning. Of the- Sorry, <laughs> everybody. For those of you who have listened to this so far, Joe is on Ariana Grande at Megawatt. Yes, cool. I'm glad we got that through. Uh, uh, excuse me. Um, Uh, how that was brick was your first team out of level six you went right onto brick and then and then you guys stayed together forever very lucky yeah how do you think you've you've changed as a performer in your time from gone through the school to now having spent time on two really good teams um or what have you like you taken by by playing on really strong teams
0: uh you know I'll tell you what like when brick got put together I was like oh this is a you know, there was a few people I didn't even know mm-hmm. on the team until our first show. Like, we met the day of the first show. Uh, and once we did a couple shows together, I was like, I don't... I was thinking to myself, like, I don't belong on this mm-hmm. team. These guys are all so good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, characteristic. You know, like, people like Fiona uh, Bre- Fiona Bradford. Now she was Malik when I met her. But, like, it's, like, uh, it's got, like, such a unique... Style and like Rick, who's you know I mean we obviously i'm sure anybody listening to this knows Rick, uh you know, and Jed is like Jed Terrace is just uh incredible like we'll always have a line per show where like the whole audience has to just like take a you know two minute laugh break mm-hmm. and just don't say anything for a while because he just comes up with this insane, and I was just like, where do I fit into this you know mm-hmm. i don't i don 't know what I bring to this i don 't belong here, so I think that's like. Something that I outgrew as like four years went by, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm pulling my weight, I'm gaining confidence. Now, like, I think as I've moved on to another team, I just feel like it's feel good, you know, like I feel like positive when I go into it. I don't have any like self consciousness about getting up on stage anymore or feeling like, you know, like I don't belong in the group or mm-hmm. whatever that's that's i think what it is is basically just more confidence in myself and you know
1: finding your place on the team um is that something that you kind of figured out what your role was or is it something that you just progressively let go of looking to find your place
0: that's it's the latter for sure because you know it's like there's some people who you can describe them Mm -hmm. very easily Mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> like like Jed, you know, word efficiency. I think is mm-hmm. like the first thing I think of. Like he can say so little and just uh, bring the house down. Yeah, you know, there's people like Christian Palak, you know, who I love, who will, you know, come out and scream like I got ham or something like that. <laughs> yeah. who wants ham? And and the, and you know, I was like, I can't do that. Uh-huh. I can't be funny in one line like Jed. You know, like I was looking for like I was like, I wish I had a thing. You know, I think your thing is like the patience of it. Uh, of like, you know, I, I watch you and I feel like that, you know, like this dude is like, uh, it's, I think kind of like in jazz terms, I think like kind of Miles Davis where it's like more in the pauses mm-hmm. than in the, in, you know, what you're saying for him. It was like he would take like four bars and not play anything and then come back in and mm-hmm. it was like, you're just waiting to see, you know? So there was all these things in people, that I admired that I was like, I don't, I can't do that thing. What is my thing? How would people describe me when you're sitting around doing impressions of different people that you like around the theater? Like Mm -hmm. what do people do when they do me? Mm -hmm. It was like driving me nuts. And then I was just like, you know what? Maybe I'm, it's just time to stop looking for that thing and just like do whatever I do and whatever comes out of me. And maybe it's not like a one set thing, but maybe that's that, maybe that's my thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like not having a thing being more like you know, jiu jitsu, you know, be mm-hmm. like be like water, mm-hmm. that type of thing. I don't know. That's <laughs> a good
1: way of putting it. I like that. Maybe not. No, I that that actually is a great way of thinking about it. I there's like there's a certain amount of comfort and security in, in in being able to kind of pin down your role in a group, but I think that it's a false security. I think what you gain in reassurance of having like a definition about yourself of like oh this is the kind of performer that I am you lose in in um actually being that performer right you know what I mean like you become like a like a like um a translation of yourself you know yeah, like the yeah. real thing
0: yeah and that's and that's just going back that's not to say that any of those people I mentioned are like stuck of in, course in that one thing yeah. you know they're all like super versatile yeah uh, incredible yeah players but you know it's like th- they always have that thing and that's what I was like looking for but you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough, you know, if you, if you don't know what it is to feel like you know who you are as a performer. You mm-hmm. know, what is my style? Am I energetic? Am I smart? Am I, yeah. you know, uh, physical? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think
1: Brick was a, a great team because everybody on it was so different. Yeah. And, and sometimes you see teams where everybody's so different and, and it's a train wreck. mm Um, but brick, everybody was so different, but everybody kind of like plugged into each other so well, you know what I mean? Like the, it was just like a good fit of differences and, and going back to like jazz for a second there, there, it was like, everybody plays a different instrument, but everybody's hearing, each other's themes you know what I mean and able to translate it into the language of your particular instrument and key, so every idea would travel around and everybody could own it in their own way right? and it gave the shows a, a real strong sense of togetherness and cohesion
0: yeah yeah I think it was like open Everybody was just kind of open minded yeah. about like other people's sense of humor yeah. you know like I think we you know for me I just wanted to make them break basically yeah. <laughs> I was like what can I say that will make them laugh yeah. you know yeah uh, and, you know, it was like that one to have fun all the time. You know, we went through that run of shows where we were doing a different style of show every week. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you know, just trying to work together as different as we were, like work together to push things in, you know, one direction and kind of um, have fun with it. Basically, yeah. You know?
1: What I really enjoyed about that run, you, you guys had been together, I think, for like two or three years by that point. Yeah. For anybody who's listening who didn't see that, you guys every week would come up with a brand new form or a brand new approach to improvising. Yeah,
0: we would get a suggestion at the end of the show of like the the name of the form for the next week, and then we would invent the form over the course of the week and perform it that following Wednesday.
1: It was exciting to watch, and there was like a real sense of like an event to it. It, it, there, there was that kind of like high wire act of like, what are they going to do? Right. Are they going to pull it off? Um, I liked it because not every one of them worked.
0: Yeah. No, there was some uh, stinkers in there, but.
1: But it was, it was great because it, 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 it really was like, there was a commitment to like, just like trying shit together right? and experimenting together and like with less of a priority on, on well, it has got to work and more of a priority and let's just do it. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, it makes you just a better, tighter team because you've earned these experiences together. Yeah. I mean,
0: you tried, we tried one where, uh, it's like we split the stage in half Mm -hmm. and, uh, like it was like a mirror. Mm I don't know if you saw that one. I did. Yeah. 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 That was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Such a weird idea. But you know, it was like something, it's like a bonding moment where it's like, we're going out and doing this thing and it's, it was incredibly hard to do that. Yeah. That's why it didn't work. Maybe if we had like a month of doing just that, we would have had maybe one good show. But we tried it together and we failed together. And, you know, that is uh, failing at just a show is easy to do. So it doesn't really, you know, it's just like, oh, we suck tonight. But then when you like we tried this thing, we all tried to mirror each other and also think of funny jokes at the same time, which is impossible. Don't do it. It, anyone
1: it was less than stellar, but it w- was actually really great it was really memorable that was really memorable. You guys did I think ninety scenes in thirty minutes and that was really memorable with like a <laughs> countdown uh, yeah. I remember you guys were going too slow at one point like we I, I was in the booth like giving you like a signal because you were like three minutes away and you still had like twenty two scenes left to do <laughs> <laughs>
0: We got a little nuts there at the end, too, as I recall. Yes.
1: Uh, (laughs) There was the finger puppet one where you guys built an exact replica of the magnet stage and then played the entire show with your fingers. Sam
0: Bradford. I got to give it up to him. He built the magnet stage out of like a shoebox or something. Uh, That was amazing. It was awesome. Spotlight on it. It was really, really cool show. I don't know how it looked to the people in the back row. or You were in the booth. I was in the booth. so You could Uh, see everything? Cool in the booth. Cool. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that was uh, one one of my favorites. That one maybe we did one where we... We're on Google Hangouts being projected on the Oh yeah, on the screen. That was probably like the two most exciting, two of the most exciting shows I've ever done.
1: Refresh my memory on that one. Was that only one of you were actually at the theater and everybody else was at home on Google Hangouts?
0: <laughs> Rick was there, but he was in the, I think he was in the office uh, <laughs> doing it. And I was, I was on the couch at home. I was in a robe. And <laughs> I think uh, the suggestion was something having to do with like relaxation. Uh-huh. So it was like, we all just like were at home in robes and like, you know, Uh, drinking. I had, like, a martini glass or something like that. It was, you know, that was fun. Really fun.
1: It was cool the way that you guys, like, pushed it that way. Like, you you just, like, explored, like, what the limits are of what you were doing. And and it was also neat because, like, even the shows that failed, they failed as, like, tight, great comedy shows, but they succeeded completely on the terms that you guys set out for yourselves. We did
0: it. We gave ourselves a challenge and you know, did it to the best of our ability, I guess. All was, together, yeah. Did it together. It was cool.
1: Yeah, which I think is like the real takeaway of like that's what made you guys such a great, strong team was the way that you were game to do it. Yeah. It, it and 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 it, it, there was, I think, less of a less of a concern about like, all right, how do I pull this off or how do I do this? And it was more of a thing of like, okay, what are we doing? doing?
0: Uh, I got to thank, uh, Russ Armstrong too. He was coaching us during that time and he was really pushing us to like, you know, think outside the box with the stuff that we did. And, uh, I think it made for a lot of cool shows and, and some terrible ones.
1: Yeah. Hey man, it It happens. It it happens happens. even if you're not trying, it happens even if you're not trying. So you might as well try. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, where are you at these days? Comedy wise, that's a super broad question, but kind of where's your mind at?
0: I think I'm working on a lot of, like, sketch stuff. Uh, um, I, I got a solo thing mm-hmm. that I did um, recently at the theater mm-hmm. a couple months ago in February. Uh, I want to expand on that. Hopefully, like, get maybe an hour to, you know, just kind of do my own thing. Yeah, I don't know if I needed to be solo, but uh, that was just kind of, like, I wasn't really working on anything. and I had a bunch of characters I had done for... You know, do them around at different character showcases. And it's just, like, compile them all into a thing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I want to focus on writing. You know, I love to improvise. I'm not acting as much. uh, So, for me, it's, like, improv and and writing are kind of where my focus is right now. What's your charting bit? (laughs) Uh, It's, like... um, (laughs) it's a sequel it's a monologue from a sequel to Shawshank Redemption called Shawshank 2 Shawshank Redemption 2 Redemption and it's just uh it's uh <laughs> I'm I'm
1: a really big fan of this bit.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh yeah, it's like uh, Morgan Freeman uh giving like a yeah, just giving like a monologue on what's happened since um since t- they met on that beach in uh, at the end of Shawshank Redemption. I love that movie. Yeah. So, that's like Movies are, like, the jumping off point for most of what I write all the time. I'm, yeah. I'm like, unashamed to just completely steal uh, movie ideas. You know, yeah. I did it with Reservoir Dogs. I've done it with, you know, uh, a lot of different movies. I just, like, will see a moment and be like, what if this happened instead? And then I just write that. Yeah. I'm like, screw it.
1: I do that in scenes all the time. If I'm in a scene that reminds me of a movie, I have no shame whatsoever. and just completely lifting the plot of that movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's not the plot. It's always in the details, you know, yeah. I mean, nobody cares what the plot of the scene is anyway. So it's like, why not just make it something they know? Yeah. And that way you can just be like, all right, we all know what this is. Right. So now I can just, you know, right. loosen up and, and go crazy with this.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, 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 um, you don't need the fucking origin story of the superhero anymore. You got it <laughs> you know it. Let's see the fucking superhero you use their powers, man.
0: Yeah. 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 I don't wanna I just wanna see, you know, some web slinging. Yeah. I don't wanna you know hash this out again. We all know. We
1: all get it. Yeah. And not just the audience get it, but like oh, it makes you happy too. You know? Yeah. I wanna be Spider-Man tonight. I don't need to fucking explain Spider-Man. I want to <laughs> be Spider-Man tonight. Yeah, we
0: know what we're doing. And and you know, it's it just makes it easier. I mean why why bother with why bother with setting stuff up when you don't have to? Yeah, you know? nobody's going to fault you for. You're making it all up on the spot, so you know nobody's going to be like, "Oh no, I've seen uh, juice." <laughs> I don't want to see. I, don't know why I said juice. I was. I've seen juice. I don't want us to see improv juice. No, they do it. You know. I don't know how the plot to juice would lend itself to an improv scene, but i gonna try.
1: Come out to Megawatt this Wednesday night. Yeah. You might, for a while you might see up. a
0: juice scene.
1: Joe Miles, thanks for talking. Man. Thank you been so a much for having me. You got anything you want to plug?
0: Ariana Grande every Wednesday at the Magnet Theater for Megawatt. Not the singer, but we're we're uh, we're a group. <laughs> You heard it, folks. It's a great plug. You're welcome, everybody.
1: (laughs) Joe, thanks again. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. This has been the Magnet Theater Podcast, brought to you by the Magnet Theater Training Center, where we offer amazing classes in improvisation, sketch writing, storytelling, musical improv, character creation, all kinds of wonderful stuff, if that sounds like something that might be fun to you. You might want to try out a class. We also offer free weekly intro to improv classes. That's right. You heard me correctly. Free intro weekly intro to improv classes uh, uh check us out to find out all about that and so much more online at magnettheater.com.
0: you've been listening to the magnet podcast
1: this podcast has been brought to you by the magnet training center where we teach classes in improvisation sketch writing musical improv storytelling and more if you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnetheater.com. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theatre for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at Uh The Magnet Theatre podcast is produced by Evan Ford Barden and engineered by Grant Michael Goldberg with executive producer Ed Herbstman and is recorded at the Magnet Training Center in New York City. We can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes, and if you've enjoyed this, episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We sure do appreciate the support. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Goodbye, everybody.